Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Hello and welcome. Hello. Is this a start? <laughs> it's not the f- oh, end. A, I thought you were just testing gonna... your mic. That's my were, rewind I thought you were testing your mic. No, Sorry. I'm talking. Oh, you'd think you'd know. What the part talking? that's annoying about this is that I have been ready for a long time yes. and you have been shuffling through papers for ages yes. and now you sound like you've got your shit together and I sound like I don't know what's going on. Well, the reason being that I was reading these old newspapers from 1935 where they talk in... in very old writing and they take forever to get to what they want to say and there was one line I was looking for and I found it so now I'm ready I'm ready to go I'm going to go first okay okay when you think of strippers in what situation do you think they are appropriate name them well just a bugs night or something yep in a club in a club yep um I don't know. In a boudoir, if it's just a couple having a good time? What about at a funeral? Wouldn't have thought so. Well, I was watching an episode of Anthony Bourdain because that's my, when I'm at home alone, trash TV. I watch Anthony Bourdain. Don't ask me why. I do. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Don't you watch The Real Housewives of Anything? No. America's Next Top Model? No. Project Runway? No. Those are my. There's a new one called Model Squad that I've been wasting time with. Okay, Sounds all right, horrific. Anthony Bourdain. Um, and he mentioned this. Uh, it's a tradition that happens in Taiwan. Yes, and it's where strippers are invited to funerals. This is real life. I do this is a real thing that happens. It's, yeah. Okay. So. It's practiced in rural areas and families began inviting strippers to funerals to attract more mourners to increase the turnout. They're not there to mourn. If you are But it's like if you're a loner and no one's going to come to your funeral, family will go, we've got strippers. But if you're invited to something on the off chance of a bit of titty titty boomba, well, you're not there to cry over a dead body. It's related to a practice known as, I'm probably saying this wrong, renau, which means hot and noisy. Can you say it with an accent? No, you try. What country am I in? Taiwan. No, it's going to be, it's going to be offensive. <laughs> it's a long-standing practice, and it's also a way of showing respect to the dead. It began in 1995 when the mafia started to offer cut price strippers to grieving families. Um, it's said to appease wandering spirits and to give the dead person one last hurrah. At what stage of the proceedings do they do it? Well, I wonder. sometimes the body may just be in a room, and then the stripper will go in on her own and strip for the dead body for the dead person. Oh, okay. Can you imagine getting that job? They get, I looked at uh, some strippers earn about $350 per funeral performance. You'd be like, I'm not getting much back from this stiff. But don't think stripper as in, you know, sexy. It's really full on. It's full on because there's YouTube clips. You can YouTube it. (laughs) And it's full on. It's really loud. And I need to tell you about this one. Mm. So, Last year, there was a politician died. Yeah. And the funeral procession included 
50 strippers dancing on poles that were mounted to the top of jeeps. They rolled through the rural town and stopped traffic. There's YouTube vision of it. This is not that unusual now that I think about it. What? Well, the Irish have a big celebration when there's a death, don't they? Does it involve naked women? No. I'm trying so hard in my head to think about something. Stop trying to normalise this. Where I make stiff and stiffy into a joke, but it won't happen. Oh. I can't think of something. It's also a way for families to show off their disposable income. Look at how many strippers we can afford. The country... So the... <laughs> <laughs> They've tried to shut it down as well. Yes. They've set up a, hot, a special hotline should anyone see naked ladies around mourners. They're encouraged <laughs> to call the hotline to dob these people in. Um, and they tried to shut it down in 2015 after photos of stripper, strippers at a funeral went viral. They'd asked men to come up on stage and undress them as they were crying and children were watching. Oh, the kiddies come along too. Well, the kiddies have to go to mourn Gramps. And then they turn up and it's like a big, it's like a festival of strippers. It's really loud. I don't mind it. um, Again, I'm okay with it. Have a party. There was a documentary called Dancing for the Dead, which was made in 2011 by Professor Mosowitz. This is a real thing, strippers at your funeral. So you've given me a number of different instructions as to what is to happen at your funeral. You want chaos. Deria, you want I don't people want screaming at Are you sure? Yeah, I went to a strip club once. In, actually, I've been to... Because oh. I'm offering. Now I have to reveal something about myself. What? So I worked at a strip club. Did you? Yes, but I didn't take my clothes off. What were you doing? So I was desperately trying to... <laughs> this is getting worse when you say I door was bitch. desperate. Were you a doorbitch? I was desperate and looking for money. No, I was desperately trying to get into the world. I thought I wanted to work in PR. Which turned out I didn't want to work in PR. Yeah. Um, and the place that I was interning at handled the PR for a strip club. Mm-hmm. And I had to go. This was my job for them. So I had to go into the office and when you go to this particular strip club, this has nothing to do with dead people, but it's just an interesting story. Um, I'll be the judge of that. When silly men go to strip clubs, they have to write down their name and their phone number before they go in. Why? I don't know. But they did because I was given that list on like a Wednesday. As if they're real names. Well, they are because I rang them. And you'd have to call them. What did you ring them for? You'd have to call them. And I always said my name was Stacey because how many Chanel's are there in Melbourne? Uh There wouldn't be many, right? I was only like 18, 19 at the time. Yeah. And I'd have to call and I'd, I'd say this. Hi, is that David? David, it's Chanel from such and such a club. I'm just calling to let you know that you've actually won a free strip tease on Wednesday for yourself and five friends and we'll also shout you a round of drinks. What do you think about that? And then they'd go, oh, I'm just in who where were you calling from? Um can I, I'll just, can I just uh, I'm going to call you I'll call you back. And so because I'd be calling men while they were in business meetings oh or at goodness. work. But then the worst thing was if you and I went to the club, went to the strip club and you had to do this, right? I'd write down my number and then I'd go, here you go, you write yours. So I was calling people in order. So I'd call 
one guy I yeah. called Dave and then Dave would be so pumped that he won a free night at the strippers. He'd call his mate Pete and go, who hey, Pete, you know, when we went to the blah, blah, blah. But then two seconds later, I'd be calling Pete and telling him he won too because everyone on the list won. Oh, I see. It was just a way to boost, you know, I Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday care. nights, the quiet nights, which they is just, to boost those nights up. Yeah. Mm. I don't think they cared that they've all won. I think but then they just... asked me to work at reception and then I drew the line. I was like, Meh, why? What's so bad about working at I don't think anything was bad at work. I don't know. I just didn't want to, Oh. I don't know. We're not, we're not judging sound, people. No, that's who, what I mean. I'm not yeah. judging people that work at strip clubs, but I just thought it I wasn't couldn't for you. Do it. No. Yeah. I think they're very brave. Very brave. I couldn't do it. No, I couldn't do it. Not in front of lots of people. No, I run when I'm naked in my house, I run quick. Do you? Yeah. I don't. I oh, do. or do I? I we do. do a nudie run from we've got a swimming pool at home mm. and so I'll do a nudie run from the swimming pool. I'll whip my bathers off and then whiz upstairs to my bedroom yeah, to have a shower. See, I couldn't. You have to hope. Yeah. I, now that you now that you mentioned Anyway, it, that really digressed. I didn't yeah. mean to tell that story. That I didn't think about telling that story when I found this stripper f- dead person story. That's most unusual, kind mm. of funereal. Yeah. Thank you. I used to work with a guy who did a comedy character called Neil Babbage, who ran a funereal home. Oh. And he would every hello, I'm Where's Neil Babbage. Going? I don't know where. I just well, you were talking about an unusual sort of, oh. and and in his comedy thing, each t- each episode he would say hello, I am Neil Babbage, okay. and this week's funeral, and he would always offer you different funeral services, you know, oh. like microwave funeral services. Yes, if you're in a hurry, we can whiz you through. Ding. All right. Um, I don't. Wasn't okay. me. It was him. Uh, Let's go to your story. All right. Mr. Bert Hobson. Mm. We're in 1935. Okay. Sydney, Mm -hmm. Australia. Mm -hmm. Mr. Bert Hobson was the genial proprietor. You can tell I've been reading old newspapers. Genial Genial proprietor proprietor. of the Coogee Aquarium Baths. And he set out with his boy Ron in their little boat. They came to anchor about an hour, um, about a mile and a half off Coogee Beach. And they caught a whopping great big tiger shark, 3.5 metres. Gosh, they're huge, aren't they? It's massive. How do you catch that? Anyway, they took it back home, popped it on display at the aquarium. I'm really scared of that. The shark? Yeah, I'm scared of things in the water. Yeah, I am scared of drowning. That's one of, of my drowning. greatest fears. Yeah. And oh. yeah, because I nearly did when I was, I think I was only young. My sister was on my back. We were swimming down at Mornington Beach and the waves were getting really oh, you big. Get and sucked got, under. Yeah. Yeah, that is scary. Mm. Uh, so he takes the shark, well, the two of them take the shark back, put it on display at the aquarium. Within a week, it became clear that the shark wasn't very well and it threw up. Oh, no. In front of a small crowd. And there, floating in the pool, was, I believe, a mutton bird. Um, there and? was some other kind of fish. And the left forearm of oh, a man. Oh, I was thinking foot. No, forearm. Oh, okay. And luckily for everyone, it had a rather distinctive tattoo on it. It had a knot of rope still tied around its wrist. But this tattoo um, was of two boxes sparring up to each other. Um, It was publicised everywhere. Look what happened. You know, Mm. it was exciting for everyone. Uh, And the brother of the man who had that tattoo recognised it and went to the police and said, that's That's my brother's arm. They took fingerprints. Now, this was why I needed to print out all these things, because to take the fingerprints, they uh, the Australian method, hang on, medicological practitioner, he had taken 
the epiderm from the hand. I'm trying to find the piece of paper that I pa- wanted. You, so they, many pieces of paper to tell this story and <laughs> none of them, they, every single one looks the same. Absolutely. Nothing is relevant. There's a lot of underlining has happened and now I can't find the bit that I want. Anyway, they removed the epiderm of the hand and they somehow sort of stiffened up the skin. Wait, the epiderm, so just like the... The, 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 like the thick layer of skin uh, from ugh. the fingers. Yeah. They were able to toughen it up somehow so that they could get some prints off it. So oh. by the time they got these prints... And the brother saying, that's my brother's arm. They were able to confirm that the arm belonged to a former boxer and a bit of a small-time criminal guy called James Smith or Jimmy Smith. Everyone called him Jim. And he'd been missing for a couple of weeks. Um, His wife, Gladys, uh, also came forward and said that, yep, that's that's my Jim's arm you've got there, officer. We said, do you think that's an appropriate 1935 Sydney housewife voice? Yeah. Okay. That's not bad. That's not racist or no. anything? I'm not going to – offensive? No, I think that was okay. Okay. Uh, so they, the brother and the wife, they were convinced that Jim had been killed. He was a very popular guy. Everyone liked him. Not the sort of guy who would have committed suicide. Now, right. there was another line to this story that came out that before this had all happened, for the – about – a few weeks prior to that, he'd been very sort of up on his toes and up and about again because he had apparently some great invention and was close to riches and he'd never felt happier in his life before. I don't even know if it's relevant or true. I'm throwing it in there. So what they're saying is he really had no reason to commit suicide, you know, to drown himself. Uh, Gladys knew straight away because he'd been in a chipper mood and he'd been saying, we're on the verge of big money, Dale. Um, She told the Truth newspaper, he's been done away with. That's what happened. Oh, you're getting a bit weirdly Scottish. What's happening? It's a bit cockney. But they were in those days. I'll just try and get a bit more Australian into it. Jim wouldn't have done anything to himself. He loved life. Oh, see, first sentence was good. And he loved his wife and his son. Too much for anything like that. I'm certain he's been murdered. Well, wouldn't that? Australian that was pretty good. That's almost like getting into... Murdered. Um, what's <laughs> it, was her the, name? it was the way you said it. Yeah. That's, murdered. It's getting close murdered. to Meryl Streep and Evil Angels. <laughs> Michael, Michael, a dingo's got the baby. A dingo's got my baby. Yeah, it was the what way was you she said wearing? that. But you'd think yeah. that the rope around the hand yes. would indicate he didn't commit suicide. Why would he have that on his hand if he'd killed himself? He might have been swinging from a tree or something for fun. So far out, the sharks got him. So there's a couple of factors here you can take into account, Detective mm. Vella. Please. He was a police informer. Oh. So he wasn't everyone's uh, friend. They had a close Rats get look. bats. What was it? Rats get bats. What does that mean? If you rat, you get a bat. Ah. Oh, mm. Snitches get stitches. They yeah. had a close look at the arm and they could see that it had been cut off with a knife. Mm. So now they are doing a murder investigation. Right. Another three days later, they killed the shark and gutted it. Probably no reason to. They always do that. It's a bit of I an never o- understand overkill. that. If I get killed by a shark, don't go kill the shark. Thank you. Me too. Don't cull them. Just don't go in where they It doesn't make any sense. It does, it, when did they ever cull a shark that killed someone and then every, a shark, all the shark population got together and said, every time we do this, they kill, let's stop doing it? Yeah. What's the point? Exactly what's the point. Stop mm. it. And you're never going to get them all. No. It's like ants. Don't bother killing one ant because oh, another thousand I will come. Ants. I hate them. My grand- 
I do. I hate ants more you than anything. You said that with the devil in I your do. eye. I do. I hate ants more than I anything. I hate them. My granddad used to get a boiling kettle of water and go. he said, go outside the house mm. and look for where they're coming in. And you pour it in there. Pour boiling water on them. Yeah. And you can tip it on weeds too. If there's some oh. on the path, you can just tip boiling water and that'll kill them. Uh, so they found all these other things. They actually found that it was that the big tiger shark had eaten a smaller shark and the smaller shark was the one that had eaten the arm. Oh. So it was like a t- well, the butcher dolls. A, yes, or a turducken that you have at Christmas yeah. time, you know, where there's yeah. stuff. Uh, so the Truth newspaper was all over this story. It really was. It loved it. It reported that uh, Jimmy Smith was a former billiards marker. I don't know what that is at City Tattersall's Club. Neither. Uh, again, though, they said he didn't seem to have an enemy in the world. They very quickly honed in on a man called Reginald Holmes. Now, he was a very successful businessman in Sydney. He ran a boat building business and Jim Smith had worked for him uh, several times. But they had also done a couple of insurance scams together. Mm. So Reg Holmes had got the names of some of his clients at the boat building business and they wrote checks and then they went and cashed them with the, you know, like fake checks. Right. And they also got this forger by the name of Patrick Brady. He got roped in on the whole thing as well. So the three of them, Jim Smith, uh, the arm man, Reg Holmes, the the businessman, and Patrick Bay- Brady, the forger, were all of them working together. Oh, There's another thing where they overinsured a boat and then the boat mysteriously burned. Oh, and yeah, So they're all up to no good. Um, so Jim Smith, they had to look back to when he was last seen alive. He was last seen drinking and playing cards, I'm assuming with both arms, mm. uh, with Patrick Brady, the forger, yes. at the Cecil Hotel in Cronulla. And he'd told his wife he was going fishing, and yet there he was at the hotel oh. speaking to Patrick Brady. Uh, in the meantime, the police are searching the bay and everywhere trying to find the rest of the body, but they couldn't find it, which caused some problems later when the whole thing was brought to trial. Do not guess. Don't. I know what you're doing. You're Sorry, ticking. I think ahead. Sorry. Don't do it. I won't. You wrecked my other story. I wreck another one. I wrecked your other. Yeah, Don't you dare. The olive, the olive tree story? Yes. Yeah, sorry. So three weeks after the shark vomit, Patrick Brady was arrested. Patrick Brady, the forger, he was arrested and charged with the murder of Jim Smith. Now, Reg Holmes, the businessman, Mm -hmm. he initially denied having anything to do with Patrick Brady. Oh. And yet he had been using him as part of his scams. Yeah. But then a taxi driver came forward and said, "Uh -uh, I I mean, that mate. Oh, where are we? Mate. Mate. Yeah. They were a bit English. It was a bit English, a bit strong at that know time. That. Well, no, it was that. in the thirties. They did. They were all still a murder. Bit... <laughs> That's right. Most foul, <laughs> mate. Uh, so the taxi driver said, "No, he does know him because I took Brady to Reg Holmes' house on the day that Jim Smith went missing." There you are. Oh, and so he's, he's put them together. He has, and he also said that Patrick Brady, the forger. Mm-hmm was dishevelled, he had a hand in a pocket and he wouldn't take it out. It was clear that he was frightened. So Reg Holmes, businessman, had been caught out in that lie. Right. Here's what he did. Went into a boat shed, tried to kill himself, shot himself in the head. But the bullet flattened against the bone of his skull, apparently, and all it did was stun him and he fell into the water. When does that happen? I don't know. It did. I don't know what sort of gun he was using. He has a really thick head. (laughs) Yeah, he must have. Wow. he crawled into a speedboat and he took off. Now, by this stage, the police were after him. It just stunned him. <laughs> he led them on a chase around Sydney Harbour for several hours. He was finally caught, was taken to hospital. 
Uh, and then, mysteriously, after the police got hold of him and talked to him, Reginald Holmes decided to cooperate with the police. Mm-hmm. He told them that Patrick Brady had oh. killed Jim Smith and had dismembered his body. The old, I didn't kill anyone, but if you're going to put the pressure on, I'll tell you who did. Exactly. It was the other guy. So we said the other guy chopped up the body, put it in a trunk, and threw the trunk into Gunnamatta Bay. But he also said, so Reg Holmes, businessman, yeah, he said that Patrick Brady, forger, had come to his house with the arm and had, with on a rope. Oh, as had, proof. Yeah, he, waving it in front of him. Here, mate, he said, if if uh, if you don't hand over 500 pounds to me right now, which would have been a lot of money at the of time. Of course. Uh, then I'll kill you too. Oh, that would make sense because I was thinking when the body was in a trunk and chucked in the water, mm. first I thought that's dumb because it would just forever be in that trunk. Yeah. If someone found the trunk, they'd find the whole thing instead of like fish At the bottom of the, the bay though, wouldn't that sink to the bottom of the bay? Yeah, but I, w- I wouldn't want cops to be able just to find that trunk and find his whole body. You'd think right. you'd just throw it in so that it would get torn apart by sea creatures. Oh, I you see. Know? Yeah. I suppose they couldn't risk it washing up on shore, mm. any of the bits. Also that. Because they bloat and float. But then that makes sense why the arm, if he went and dangled it in front of him. Mm. Mm. Why it was separate. Yes. Yes. So... After Brady had gone, Reg Holmes admitted that he uh, that he had then had the arm. He's panicked. He's thinking, "What do I do with this?" He took it down to Marubra and he threw it into the surf, which oh. is obviously where the shark ate it. Right. He took the five hundred pounds out of his account, and on the night before, he was supposed to give evidence at the inquest into Jim Smith. Yeah. He told his wife he had to meet someone. Oh no. And she said he was very nervous as he left the house. In fact, he got her to come out to the door of his car with him. He was so nervous. The next morning, he was found dead. Oh, come out to my car with me while I get in it and you walk back to the house alone. (laughs) Well, he'd obviously driven off to somewhere. Doors point he was. He'd been shot three times at close range. It was made to look like he'd committed suicide, but the forensic police went over the car and they said there was no signs of a struggle, so it was someone he'd obviously known. Um, So he was eventually cremated. His estate, just as a side note, was left uh, at that time. It was £34,000, which would be millions of dollars um, today. Other people say, including uh, Professor Alex Castles, who wrote a book about this in 1995 called The Shark Arm Murders, that he actually took out a contract on his own life to spare his family the disgrace of being part of the whole court case. Oh. Sounds a bit far-fetched to me. Anyway, back into the coroner's inquest, which now has to go ahead, despite the fact that the key witness... Is dead. Is dead. Okay. Um, It started on the 12th of June, 1935. Forensic evidence was examined by Professor Sidney Smith and Patrick Brady's lawyer claimed to the coroner that there was not enough substance to begin the inquest. He said that an arm did not constitute a body. Oh. And and this is similar to you had a headless body story a while. Yes. That Jim Smith, minus his arm, could quite happily be wandering around somewhere. Oh. Don't you think? Yes. Hmm. They charged him anyway. Patrick Brady was charged with the murder of Jim Smith, but he was found not guilty. He was acquitted because there was no body. So for the next 30 years, until the day he died, Patrick Brady denied being the one who had killed Jim Smith. And so the case was never solved. And that, my dear, is the shark arm mystery. Murder. Mm. (laughs) There you are. Murder most foul. 
It's awful. Mate. That's no closure for that family. No, it's not, is it? It's horrible. Mm. Feedback, Chanel. It's an email on the email from Catherine. She says, I lolled so hard ab- so hard. I lolled so hard about the effing C-U-N-T graphic. <laughs> I have showed DD the graphic because it's I took a screenshot of it when it happened. It happened more than a year and a half ago. Um, and I, I feel like I can't put it up. I want We would discuss putting it up on socials, but I feel like the network they that I know. worked for at the yeah. time would know that I'd done that and it's technically their property, so I can't. Right. But you've seen it. You know it exists. It's very funny. It was real. <laughs> she says, my friend who is slightly dumb open bracket, she openly says this about herself, close bracket, one day was recalling a story about how she was rudely yelled at by some guys on the street. She's a proper girl and doesn't like to swear, but recalled the wo- recalled their words like this. So they just yelled at me, F you, you effing C-U-N-T. Who's writing this message? What's the, who's the person? Catherine. Catherine. Is Catherine done effing or is that you? No, she says effing. Okay. Yeah. I'm not censoring it. She's done it for okay. me. Okay. Oh no! Now I have to swear. She said she <laughs> she bleeped the f u c k, but said the c u n t. To which we all laughed until we cried. She said she didn't know c u n t was a curse word. <laughs> and we were all like, "That is the worst curse word." <laughs> How does she not know? I don't know. Um, a friend of mine, uh, his ex-wife came to a family gathering with, I think it was a little plate of cakes, and she said, I've brought some of these little mofos (laughs) and handed them over to Nana. (laughs) And they all went, what? (laughs) She said, I've just brought some mofos. (laughs) She didn't know that it was... Motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> and I think um, my friend had basically said something like, are you going to bring those little mofos with you? <laughs> she thought that that was like a cute, a cute family word, word for cupcakes. Full. <laughs> I learned a new swear word what? this week. What? I can say the word, but I, will, I, will, I won't be able to say it. Okay. So the word's shunt. Something cunt. Yeah. Shit. Oh, okay. Yep. I found that really funny. A lawyer told me that. It's awful, isn't it? Mm. There's that shunt. It's, it's technically not a bad yeah, word. right? Yep. Anyway, she says, love the podcast. When my friend told me about you guys, I binge listen, so they're at least one binge listener. Oh, remember you were right. saying people who don't binge us? Ugh. She said she also has a story about how she had to kiss a dead body. She said she'll send it to us one day. Send it to us now. 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 We've read your email, Catherine. Please, 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 Catherine. Mm. Send it. Send it. Am I going on? Yes. Okay. Email from Tracy. Hi, guys. Just found you a few weeks ago and I feel like I've struck gold. Nice things, nice things. Keep up the great work. I'm guessing a good place to hide a dead body would be a mine shaft, deep dangerous for someone to look in. I'm going to discuss this at the end. Okay. We're going to move on. Right. Okay. Um, A few minutes later, we got another email from Tracy. She said, I just had to send you an email on where I thought your dead body could be hidden not long after I got back on your podcast, only to discover other people have had the same idea, so that got me thinking again, could it be a well? No, we've already had that, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Not talking about it. A few minutes later, we got another email from Tracy. (laughs) 
Okay. Tracy emails like I text message. Yes. I press enter after every sentence. I think it's really oh, annoying for some people, but I do it. do that. I never send an, a text message in one big block. Mm. I send like five. I don't it's know why. It's such a young person thing because older people like me, we're like mentally going, I've got 140 characters. <laughs> I'm going to use every single one of them. A um, few minutes later from Tracy. It's happened to me. It was a sleepover at a girlfriend's house. I wasn't sleeping very well because of a ghost she told me about. Her grandmother's ghost that she heard moving around in the kitchen at night, possibly making the grandkids school lunches. It was hard for me to sleep. Anyway, I did fall into a not so deep sleep enough to know that something dropped into my mouth. Oh, bullshit. I bit down once and spat it out into the dark room got up and turned the light on and found a rather crumpled big black spider on the bedspread. Yes, Tracy. There's my girl. Don't email us again, Tracy. Yuck, I've always been petrified of spiders. I can tell you I brushed my teeth over 10 times that night and kept one eye Mm. and ear out for the rest of the night. I thought that was a ghost story. Then it turned into... Verification of my previous story. Tracy, we have a three email limit for everybody. No one no, can send more Tracy, than that. So you're done. Thanks you're very a much. Season listener. We you're finished. You every time. Are you still going? Yeah. Okay. okay. You sure? No, you're not. Yeah, I am. There for the next episode. Oh. <laughs> We've got so much feedback. We can't get through oh, them. Oh, so much. Well, I'll chuck one into from Elsie on Facebook. Oh, no, she's using young people's shorthand. Do you want me to look at it? I <laughs> wasn't. Please, I know. I, I don't know if I can well, read like you this. You were in need of help, so I offered. Oh, you young people are the fancy oh. typing. I didn't know if it was an acronym or something that you didn't know what I it meant. Read it. I'll just put my spectacles on and turn my sound hearing aid up. Right, you have a look and see. Well, she's. It says, guys, IDK. I don't know. Well, that, who's going to help us then if you don't know? No, IDK means I don't know. <laughs> oh, shut up. I know what it means. My son texted me. I think I said to him, will you go and put Our the bins out? Our producer has lost it. <laughs> My son texted me. I can't think what it was. I, was. I was texting him saying, will you put the bins out? And he sends me back CBS. Yeah. And I've said, what is that? And he said, can't be stuffed. Yeah. And he couldn't even be stuffed. That's the nice thing. Writing version. the words can't be stuffed. Normally it's CBF. Oh, well, our Miss Mum is yeah, being that's, nice. Yeah, he's being nice. Elsie's got a bit of attitude. She's coming at us. Guys, I don't know if you check this page, but also, who the fuck emails these days? <laughs> Unless you have absolutely have to. Plug your socials. Okay, we're on uh, we're- Twitter. At and Instagram, you can Dead message Bodies us on Instagram. Pod. Yep, and Facebook as well. <laughs> she actually writes, nice things, nice things. <laughs> Seriously, the bad feedback I have is that 40 minutes a week is nowhere near enough. I think this is Elsie's voice that I'm using. I'm, Question. <laughs> this flight thing, right? I am calling bullshit. How the hell are they supposed to get dead, John, up out of his middle seat, drag him down the aisle past 200 passengers in a first class. I'd rather a bloke with an eye mask and a blanket rather than watching him be squished down the aisle, hanging by the limbs. This is my visual depiction. It's a bit dramatic, but honestly, how else would they do it? I have no dead body stories other than the one time I came home from a sleepover to tell all six... (laughs) to all six of my guinea pigs dead... 
which stays with me in my mid-twenties. The thing was, when you offend people from 1938, <laughs> it's not a big deal. But when you offend people that take the time to listen to us and write in... Oh, Elsie knows I'm doing it with love. <laughs> Elsie, come on, I'll I do it. I have guinea pigs that died. This is Elsie's real voice I'm going to use now. Uh, she says, also, just a request. Elsie, all right, since you're in your mid-twenties, I'm old enough to be your mother. I'm going to tell you, use a few more capital letters and a bit more punctuation. Um, also, just oh. a request. <laughs> can we look into – I'm helping. This is educational podcast now. Uh, can we look into maybe like conspiracy theories, John Benet Ramsey, the Beaumont children, Madeleine McKay, et cetera. It's always so interesting. Love you guys. P.S. Chanel, ghosts are real. You can never go back now. Kiss, 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 kiss. Thank you, Elsie. That was yeah, one I of know. our more entertaining messages ghosts from you on our real. socials. So what have you got? Well, I've got a confession to make. Well, I made a mistake. It, this is nothing to do with the strip club? No. Because, that, like, that that's was a just mistake flawed in my life. me. I, I, I know. <laughs> it was... Um, it was men's gallery too. Um, yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was Ooh. men's gallery. Um, Nothing but the best for our girl. I said, <laughs> I, Stacey, you mean. Um, <laughs> at the end of the last episode, I said we would start this episode with a recording of me going to my dead body spot. Yes. I did it. Where is it? My phone died. Oh, my. And I had, it's oh. on, it's at home. Oh, and the dog ate it. So while we're recording Teacher. it right now, we don't have it, but we're going to play it for you right now. What do you mean? You said to her there's white shoes there? I think so. Mm. If anything happens, you'll be able to find my car. How? Because the SOS thing will go off. Okay. Love you. Love you. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> Okay, so what you just heard was me telling Nicholas that I was going to my dead body hiding spot, which is what I'm doing right now. And he, <laughs> poor love, he was concerned that perhaps if something happened to me at my dead body hiding spot that he wouldn't know how to find me, which is ironic considering that that place is where I would dump his body um, if I had to kill him. So that's awkward. But yeah, that's just the conversations that you have with your partner when you do a podcast called Dead Bodies. So I'm in the car now and I'm heading there. It's going to take me a little while to get there. I live in Melbourne Southeast. It's not too far, but what I might do is I'll stop this recording and I'll start it again just before I arrive. Okay. Bye. Okay. So I'm in the Dandenong Ranges. That's where I am right now. And the first thing I've kind of realised about my dead body hiding spot is that it's quite good I'm doing kind of a recce of this area because there are not a lot of places to pull over. There is no parking on either side of the road, which is exactly why I chose this area. Oh, I've just found some parking actually. Okay, so I've just stopped. So there's no parking at all on either side of the road, which is what appealed to me about this uh, dead body area because I thought if no one really stops and pulls over then no one's going to smell a dead body right anyway that's what I thought so let's just park and jump out and I'll kind of just this is really weird because there are some cyclists I might just wait for them to pass because it's going to look really weird that I'm just talking into my phone walking around in the rainforest um okay they're gone Oh, no, there's a car coming. 
why do I feel nervous? I don't even have a, a body in my boot, so I just feel odd. I'm like people talking to me. Okay. Okay, so I've jumped out and it, I just hear a lot of birds. Um, but I think that this would actually be kind of perfect and that no one no one has a reason to stop here. Oh, I'm standing on things. Uh, I'll take some photos as well. So it's quite a drop down uh, and there's literally nothing out here. Um, just a lot of really big sticks and gravel. But the other thing I'm noticing about this is there would be no... <laughs> There'd be no lights out here at night, which would be terrifying. But, you know, unfortunately, if I've got to get rid of Nicholas, then this is what I've got to do. So I'm on a trail. I don't know if I should be saying the road because then people might actually use this spot if we have murderers that listen to our podcast. Oh, there's another car coming. I feel awkward. It's just going to act like I'm just acting natural. Okay, good. Uh, and I might just walk down a little bit closer to where I would actually dump this body and take some photos. It actually looks like there's a, um, oh, there's clothes down there. Oh, there's actually a lot of, people have thrown a lot of stuff down there. I just go have a look at what people have thrown down there. See, people are already onto my idea. Oh, they've just thrown a lot of rubbish. I'm scared now. What if I look down there, there is a body. People have just thrown a lot of rubbish down there, like hard hardware, sort of just rubbish from demolishing homes that looks like it's been there for a really long time, which adds to my greatness of this spot. Okay, so I just jumped back in the car quickly just to check where I am. So I'm on Churchill Drive in the Dandenong Ranges National Park. Um, I'm not saying this is, you know, the exact spot, but it kind of resembles what I had in my brain. So it's going up the mountain, kind of in one of those hairpin turns, and then I thought you could just drop it down, like the body right down into the middle of the hairpin. I thought that would be the best spot. Um, again, I'll take some photos, but this would absolutely be terrifying at night. Um, and there's a lot of bugs. Oh, this car act natural again. Nothing to see. Oh, he looked at me too. I wonder if people think I'm broken down or something. Um... But I think this spot would actually be really great. So there it is. That's my dead body spot, somewhere in a in you know a national park, straight down where no one would ever find them. No one has a reason to stop here, and that would be it. But I'd probably chop Nicholas up because he's really he's quite he's 95 kilos. It's heavy, you know. I'm a weak girl. Um, I'll take some photos, and I hope this has been worth it. I hope people agree with me that this is a good dead body spot. Okay. This has been a weird way to spend a weekend, but I probably should go before Nicholas thinks something's happened to me and doesn't know where to find me, when really I'm just at his resting place. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.